0: hands and we're going to stand in just a second. You ready? I'm going to give you a second to find it for make you stand, okay? We're going to read a verse together. Will you do that with me today? Now this is what I'm going to preach on this morning. So let's stand. We're going to look in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. You don't have to stand up. Just stay where you're at. You're not going to <laughs> croak on me here. Amen. All right. Now, we're going to stand in honor of God's Word, and we're going to read a verse together. We're going to read it twice together, and then we're going to try to say it together. The pressure's on. You ready? All right. Let's read it. Let's read verse number 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. All right. You got it up there on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Can you see it? Let's say it one more time together. You ready? For God not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. All right, fellas, can you turn that off? The screen, okay. Let's 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 try to see if we can say it. for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. Isn't it easy to memorize the Bible? Come on, isn't it easy to memorize the Bible? So you say, you set us up for that, Pastor. (laughs) Be seated. Hey, let me ask you a question. You ever been afraid? You ever been afraid? Tony Shoemaker, one of my deacons, yesterday scared me. (laughs) He's walking out to my car. My mind's a million miles away. And he has one of those cars where you push the button and it makes the horn go off. And I got up right next to my, next to my car, and he <laughs> Come on, you ever been scared? I told him that. I said, can you imagine the, the headline, local deacon kills pastor with a horn blast? <laughs> you ever been afraid? Seriously, you ever been afraid? I heard about a little boy one time that was oh, four or five years old, and it was one of those Tennessee summer evenings when the rain came up and the storm was big and the lightnings began to strike and the thunder was loud. And he's laying in bed and he cries out, Mama, Mama, I'm scared, come get me. Mama walked in his room, said, Son, what's the problem? He said, I'm afraid. Son, what do you want me to do about it? He said, Well, can you stay with me the night? She said, No. She said, I sleep with your dad in our room. He waited for a second and he said, Big sissy. <laughs> you ever been afraid? Seriously. You know, I think a lot of us, at times, are afraid. Now, we're in the middle of doing a series of messages on the Holy Spirit. And we learned the very first week that we got together about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is God. He's divine. And we also found that week that he's as much God the Father and God the Son as God the Spirit. And they're all part of the Godhead. We also learned that the Holy Spirit is personal. We found out, in other words, that it's, he's not a force. Let the force be with thee. He's not a force. He's not an energy. He's a person. And then we found out that the Holy Spirit is powerful. Now, what I want to talk to you about today is that the Holy Spirit of God is very powerful. And I believe that God wants his children to live with power, not fear. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at this passage, and we're going to spend some time showing you how that God wants us to be people that live in his spirit, his power. And we should have an impact on those around us because God lives within us. I was reading something this week off the internet I thought was very interesting. It was something about Kindle. Now I don't, you know, I have kids that, grandkids that have Kindle and to me it's just another gadget that I don't really need so I'm not going to go buy one but uh, people have Kindles and uh, I found out that you can highlight on a Kindle which I think is kind of cool. I like doing that in my Bible. I highlight phrases in my Bible. And I I, I I read the article and it said that the most highlighted phrase or sentence in all of Kindle is a book called The Hunger Games. And in that book, the uh, it's kind of interesting, there's a sentence that says, because sometimes things happen to people that they're not equipped to deal with. That's the most highlighted phrase of any book that Kindle has out. And I was thinking about that, isn't that amazing? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that life was confusing? That life was difficult? That sometimes life didn't make much sense. And to be quite honest with you, you were just powerless at times. You ever been there? Today we're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk to you about how to connect yourself with the power of God. How to connect yourself with the power of the Holy Spirit. The verse that we memorized, I hope. For God hath not given us what? The spirit of fear, but of what? Power Power and love and a sound mind. So the Bible makes it very clear that God wants us to be connected with that power, not fear. Now, that's an amazing statement when you stop and think about the guy that wrote that. It's a guy named Paul. And when he wrote 2 Timothy, he's about ready to die. And when he wrote 2 Timothy, that he's sitting in a prison cell just marking off days on the calendar until he gets his head cut off. And Paul writes, hey, Timothy, God doesn't want you to be fearful. God wants you to live with the power of the Holy Spirit and with his love and with a sound mind. Now, why would Paul say that? By the way, we'll go back and show you that. How many know that your pastor believes in context? Okay, let's look, at, let's look at a couple of verses and we'll work our way through this. I won't take long here. By the way, if you ever wanted to give another Christian a compliment, if you could say to them what Paul says to Timothy in these opening verses, this is the recipe for a tremendous compliment. Look what he says to him. First of all, as you look down through here, Paul talks about how much he loves them. And by the way, Who doesn't want to be loved? Look at what he writes. He says, Paul, an apostle, a sent one, one that has a commission. He says, of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. I didn't call myself. I didn't get called by some ecclesiastical body. No church really sent me. I was called by Jesus Christ. He goes on. He says, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. The promise of life. You know what that is. The promise of life. Remember this verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, here's the promise of life, should not perish but have what? That's it right there. Man, you're great Bible students today. You're really doing well. He goes on. He says to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, By the way, wouldn't it be great, were they related? No. Where did Paul meet Timothy? In a place called Lystra. Where did Paul meet Timothy? On one of his early missionary journeys, and he was one of his converts. And he says, my dearly beloved son. What a great statement that is. You want to compliment somebody? Tell them how much you love them. Let's read on. He not only tells them how much he loves him, but if you look in this passage, he's gonna go a step further and he's gonna talk in this passage about the fact that he not only loves him. Well, let's read. He says, I thank God for you. By the way, this is the start of a prayer. And look at the way he reads this. He says, whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day hey, great compliment, I love you. Second compliment, I'm praying for you. Wouldn't that be great if somebody came and told you that today? Yeah. Paul says, I I love you, I'm praying for you. And then he talks about his confidence in in Timothy. He goes on, he said, I greatly desire to see you. I'm mindful of your tears that I might be filled with joy. By the way, here's the context. Here's what I think happens. If you go to a to Acts chapter 20 he talks about the Ephesian elders. By the way, Timothy was an Ephesian elder. He was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. They meet Paul and the Bible says Paul's on his way to Jerusalem and he's gonna be basically arrested there and sent to Rome. And, And the Bible says they fell on his neck and they wept and they cried. That's the tears he's talking about. He said, I'm mindful of your tears. Paul not only loved Timothy, Timothy loved Paul. Isn't that cool? And so the Bible says he reminds him of his prayers for him. And then he says, hey, when I call to remembrance this unfeigned, let me use a a more modern word, unhypocritical. When I recall your unhypocritical faith that's in thee that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded it was in thee also. Now I don't have time to turn, but just trust me on this. Timothy's dad was a Greek and an unbeliever. His mama was a Jew and not a great Jew and his grandmother was a Jew and not a great Jew. But there's one thing they did with that boy. They taught him the word of God. They taught him the first five books of the Bible called the Torah, the law. And Timothy was already having those seeds planted him and when Paul comes to Lystra, guess who gets saved? Timothy does because of all of that gospel, all that Bible, all that Torah, that grandma and mom, they were sending them to Sunday school. Come on, you can amen that. They were sending them to Sunday school. By the way, all smart parents send their kids to Sunday school. Some of you didn't amen. You should know that. You should know that. So Paul compliments him. He says, man, he says, I love you. I'm praying for you. I have confidence in you. But notice verse number six. He goes on a step further. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. Now look up here because I want to make sure you're with me. A couple of weeks ago, I told you that when you got baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ that the Holy Spirit is the one that gifts every believer with a spiritual gift or two or three, however many he decides. Amen. And he texts to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, you need to stir up that gift. That gift came to you. And notice the way he writes this. This is kind of interesting. We had some deacons that had this happen a couple of, a couple of Sunday nights ago. Which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. You say, Pastor, what was the putting on of the hands? last a couple of Sunday nights ago, we had some new deacons. We ordained them. We laid hands on them. We prayed over them. And Paul says, hey, when I met you and when I led you to Christ, when I laid my hands on you, God gave you the gift. And what gift was it? I think it was pastor-teacher gift. I think that's exactly what Timothy becomes And Paul begins to talk to him. And Paul says, stir that gift up. You say, Pastor, why would he say that? Because Timothy was timid. By the way, I learned a long time ago as a pastor, being timid is not your best option. Because few of your church members are. Come on, you can laugh at that. I think a pastor had better lead... A pastor had better do his job, so to speak, because if he doesn't, somebody else will. And Timothy was timid. Some say he was young. Some people say it was a, a personality deal. Maybe he was a kind of an introverted guy. And Paul says, hey, stir that gift up. You remember that gift when I put hands on you, you received that gift. Stir it up. It's like stoking up the flames in a fire. He says, Man, stoke it up. Make it hot again. Now, let's keep reading. He says, Because God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. Now, you say, Pastor, why do we need power? I'll be real honest with you, and we're going to give you three things this morning. We're going to talk about the need of power, the source of power, and the use of power. Real simple sermon. That's the only kinds I can preach. You know what I mean? Come on, you can amen that. If it's too hard, I can't do it. That's for sure. So I'm going to stick with simple. He's going to talk about the need of power. Now, notice two things in the verse. We're just letting you read your Bible today. It's pretty simple, isn't it? He said, there's one thing God doesn't give you. There's a couple things that God does give you. One thing that God does not give you, God does not give you the spirit of fear. Now, I'm not making this up as I go. Does it say that, yes or no? God has not given you the spirit of fear. Is that what it says, yes or no? So if God doesn't give us the spirit of fear, let's make a logical deduction. Who do you think gives us the spirit of fear? (laughs) If it's not God, I think it's Satan. How many want to bet on that? You say, I'm a Baptist pastor. I don't bet. All right, let's vote then. How many want to vote on that? (laughs) Now, stay with me. Let me prove my point. You remember in the Garden of Eden, God gave him a prohibition. He says, basically, there's a couple of trees in the garden and, and, and there's one tree that you don't eat of. Remember that? And guess what Adam and Eve did? What did they do? They ate of the tree. It was a cumcock tree. I don't know. It was an apple tree, pear tree. Who cares what kind of tree? But they ate of the wrong tree. How many remember that? And so every day about the going down of the sun, it would uh, get cool and God would come in that dusk time of night and Adam and Eve would go for a walk with God. How many remember the story? All right, am I telling it right so far? And God comes down the night that they sinned and they're nowhere to be found. And they're hiding in the bushes. And they got fig leaves sown to cover their nakedness. How many remember that? And the very first emotion you ever read about in the Bible that's named, why are you hiding in the bushes? Because I was what? Afraid. Afraid. Now, who brought that on him? Was that God? No. That was Satan. Amen. Let me help you with something. In the scriptures, fear can be broken down into a couple of categories. One, are you listening to me? One is a rever- reverential awe. To all awe an awesome God. Would you agree with that? Can you stand amazed at God? Can you stand in awe of God? Yeah, that's sometimes called the fear of God. But the kind of fear that the Bible's using here is the word we get our word phobia from. God has not given us a spirit, an attitude of fear, a phobia. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a spirit of fear in your life? Has there ever been a time that you've had a wicked Baptist deacon honk their horn right next to you? (laughs) Brother Tony, he's still back there. All right. Now, you know what? All of us have been afraid. Timothy was fearful. Fearful. You say, Pastor, what do you think he was afraid of? Well, let me show you the next verse. I'll show you exactly what I think he was afraid of. Look at verse 8. Be, but, uh, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, for nor of me, the prisoner. You know what I think he was fearful of? I think he was fearful of, he looked at the great apostle Paul who ended up in jail, just about ready to get his head cut off, and he was fearful that he too was going to get ended up in jail with his head cut off. Because that's what Paul says in the very next verse. There's a myriad of things that we're fearful of. When I go through Greenbrier and Ridgetop, I'm fearful that those cops are sitting there. (laughs) And I can tell you where they sit. I've met them several times. You know, when you stop and think about it, sometimes we're fearful of not just the possibility of persecution, like Timothy, but maybe we're we're fearful of confronting an injustice. Uh, one of the guys yesterday was talking, and he was talking about a gal that brought a lawsuit against one of the police departments. And they had sexually discriminated against a female officer. And she'd been writing that stuff down in a book, one thing after another. And after about a year, she had a a book full of things. And finally, she stood up for what was right. I've been watching Me Too. You've seen it on TV, haven't you? These, These gals that have been sexually molested by powerful figures and and they basically are coming out and say, "Hey, that happened to me too." Social injustice sometimes. Sometimes in life, maybe we have habits. You ever thought about? Sometimes in life, well, you see it on TV. How many ads do you see now for people that are on oxycontin? And and and. These synthetic heroines that people now are addicted to. Man, it seems like every commercial, every other commercial has got something to say about that. There's all kinds of things. Maybe you're, maybe you're like a governor in Virginia that wishes he'd have thrown his yearbook away. Not being a smart aleck, but you know, sometimes we're afraid of being found out. Yes or no? You no, know, when you stop and think about it, we all face fears. You say, Pastor, how do you overcome fears in life? The very power of God. Amen. It's God's power. I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power. Think about that. So, what has God given to us? He doesn't give us the spirit of fear, but he does give us in place of fear, his power. Amen. Now, you say, Pastor, why is that such a wonderful thing? Well, that word power is the word we get our word dynamite from. Dunamis is the Greek word. "Dunamos" it describes a, a miracle-working power that comes only from God. It's, it's the same power that God used to create the universe. It's the same power, that supernatural power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He says, hey, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us power. Isn't that amazing? In place of fear, we belong to God. God says, hey, I give you my power. In place of fear, we belong to God. God says, hey, I'm gonna give you my love. I don't have time to turn, but write this reference down. Will you do it? Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. The Bible says that when you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes into your life and he sheds abroad God's love in your heart. Isn't that great? You see, God doesn't give me the spirit of fear, but because I belong to him, God says, hey, I want to give you my power, but not only will I give you my power, I'll give you my love. That's that agape love. That's that love that God has for us. You see, folks, uh, so many times we're afraid. God says, What are you afraid of? I've given you my power. God says, I've given you my love. God says, I've given you my mind. Notice the way the verse reads. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You say, Pastor, what do you think that means, a sound mind? Listen to me. It means God's given me the ability to think the way that he thinks. God's given me the chance to have his thoughts, not my thoughts. God's allowed me the chance to think on things the way that he thinks because, hey, I belong to him. Now, where does that power come from? Well, your verse is pretty simple. God's not given us the spirit of fear, but what has God given us? What power? You see, that power comes from God. I was reading an interesting article this week, and I, I love I love stories like this. It was the story of that horse named Secretariat. Does that name ring a bell with anybody other than me? It was a It was a horse that man it ran it, it run the Triple crown. I mean, it was just an incredible horse. And you know, the thing that made that so incredible was the fact when the horse died, they did an autopsy and they looked inside that horse. And you know, the amazing thing was the average horse, its heart weighs approximately six to eight pounds. But Secretariat had a heart that weighed 20 pounds. That rascal was pumping like a, <laughs> like a freight train. I mean, he could run and run because he had such heart. Amen. Are you listening to me? Now, when I talk about God and I'm talking about what God does for us, the source of this power, the source of this incredible things that God can do in our life is because it seems almost as if God in the heart of the Christian He enlarges their heart. He says, hey, I want you to take my power. I want you to take my love. I want you to take my sound mind and do my will. I'm going to enlarge your heart to help you pull off these things in life that you need to do. So the Bible says that we receive his power. Now, let me, let me teach you something out of the Bible. This is something that's interesting. Put your finger here because I won't come back, all right? But I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 3. Now, we could look in Mark. We could look at other spots, but I'm just gonna, we're just going to choose Luke for a second. I want to show you something that's interesting in the Bible. Now, stay with me. I'm going to teach you something now that maybe you haven't ever heard before. So some of you are going to go, Pastor Phil's out there on a limb by himself. No, you'll, you'll get it when you hear it, all right? Look at what it says in Luke chapter 3. Now, I want to show you what happened when Jesus was baptized. How many remember that story when Jesus was baptized in River Jordan? Ask your staff guys about it. They got baptized in River Jordan, and it was cold. Pastor stood on the shore. Pastor said, you're all able to baptize yourself. So I was warm and dry, and they were wet and cold. So look what it says. Now, all the people, I'm in 321. It says that when all the people were baptized, remember they were all going out to the Jordan to get baptized by John the Baptist? Remember the story? This is a yes. You remember the story? Okay, I'm not making any of this up, okay? I promise. It says, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, and notice, the heavens opened. Watch this. It says, and the Holy Ghost Now, can I change one word? Can I call him the Holy Spirit? Because I don't want you to think of Casper the Friendly there. I want you to think of the Holy Spirit, all right? It says, the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came down from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, I don't have time to turn. Will you just write some references down for me in your Bibles? When God says these words, he's quoting Scripture. Did you know that? Now, I recognize that God, when everything comes out of his mouth is Scripture, but he's actually quoting from verses in the Bible. For example, the Bible talks about Jesus being his beloved son. That goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 22, verse number 2. When God comes to Abraham and he has a son, he says, Take thou thy son, thy only son, the son whom you love. He's quoting from that story of Abraham and Isaac. And then he's talking about, if you look at this passage, thou art my beloved son. Psalm chapter two and verse seven talks about Jesus being the son of God. The Messiah is the son. And then if you look carefully, he says, and I am well, pleased." put down Isaiah 42 verse one. Now you go home and study all that, all right? I don't have time, I don't, you, you want me to be done preaching. So I won't look at all those verses, but God is quoting the word of God when he makes this statement. So get the picture. You got Jesus being baptized by John the baptizer. By the way, he wasn't the first Baptist. Please. We don't trace our roots to John the baptizer. I I, I don't have time. So anyways, (laughs) you got Jesus being baptized. How many believe that he's God the son? okay you got the spirit in a bodily form like a dove that's the holy spirit coming down and lighting upon Jesus and then there's a voice from heaven and you would assume that it's God the father how many would assume that that says this is my beloved son you'd have to be God the father in whom I am well pleased now isn't that interesting When Jesus Christ started his earthly ministry, and by the way, his baptism marks the start. He's 30 years old. He's got three and a half years to go. And to start this rascal off, he gets baptized. And guess who shows up to empower him? The Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of what? Come on, don't mess up the verse. we got to get it right. He's giving you what? Power. And then love. And then a sound mind. So when Jesus gets baptized, the first thing that happens is the Holy Spirit comes down because he needs to be empowered to do his earthly ministry. By the way, in order for us to function as a Christian, we need his power. Are you listening? If we're going to serve God the way God wants us to serve, we need to serve not in our power, not in our strength, not in our ability, but we need to serve in his power. So the Bible says Jesus receives the power of the Holy Spirit. But notice, God says, this is my beloved son. Well, oh, just thought I'd remind you, remember when Paul was writing this thing to Timothy? One of the first things he told him was how much he loved him? Amen. Hey, you know what? I'll be real honest with you. I'm, I'm human enough to want you to like me. Yeah. Amen. I don't get out of bed every morning and say, Boy, I wonder who I can really tick off today. <laughs> I can rain on somebody's parade for sure. No, I come to church and I I want you to enjoy coming. I want you to hear the sermon and say, wow, I learned something from that. I want you when you walk out, not to want to punch me in the eye. (laughs) I want you to be able to walk out and say, you know, pastor, I love you. You know what? Love and acceptance is something all of us crave. Yes or no? I got three daughters here. And I don't know if they're all in the service. But you know one thing my wife tells me? She says, I can tell those girls I love them every day. But if you tell them once a month, it makes their month. Isn't that amazing? They want their daddy to love them. They want my acceptance. And the Bible says when Jesus was baptized... The Spirit of God came down and gave him his power. And God the Father said, this is the Son that I love, my beloved Son, in whom I am what? Well-pleased. Well-pleased. Now, stay with me. Stay with me. Jesus received love, power, and a sound mind at his baptism. But you and I as God's children received the very same thing when the Holy Spirit lives within us. Look at Romans chapter 8. Now go with me. Ah, oh, stink. I'm already out of time. And all the rest of them say, please shut up. All right. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look, look you got to see this. you got to see this. This is incredible. I want you to get my point. Look at verse number 14. Now, when I got saved, stay with me, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit into what? The body of Christ. Are you with me? Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? Yeah. Sons of God. Holy Spirit lives within me. I am the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. He lives within me. What? No, you not. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. How many remember that? Yeah. And the Spirit of God leads lives within me, and he begins to lead me. He begins to speak to me. And notice what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse number 15, you have not received the spirit of bondage. 2 Timothy chapter one, verse number seven, I haven't been given the spirit of what? Fear, Fear, bondage, fear, fear, bondage, fear. Stay with me. I'm trying to make you see the Bible. He goes on. He says, again, to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption. What is that? The spirit of adoption. I'm a part of the family. God looks down and he says, hey, welcome to the beloved. Stay with me. God says, hey, this is my child in whom I am well pleased. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because God's word says that and satan would want you to doubt that and satan would give you fears that it's not true but god said he didn't give me the spirit of fear he gave me a spirit of adoption are you watching the pig are you watching the scriptures look at what it says for we have not received the spirit of adoption again to fear but we received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that what we are the children of god now, can I help you with something this morning? Will you listen to me? One of the things you need to do while you read your Bible this week is allow that spirit that lives within you, that still small voice of God that says, You're mine. Amen. Believe it. Amen. That still small voice that lives within you that says, Hey, I'm pleased with you. By the way, when I was a kid growing up, I thought God hated me every day. I thought God had a big club, and the first time he got a chance, he's going to whoop me over the head with it. (laughs) And I nearly was scared out of my gourd of God. Because every preacher I ever sat under told me God was going to get me. But let me tell you something. He's not giving me the spirit of fear, but of power. And of love and of a sound mind. And it comes to me through the Holy Spirit that baptized me into his body that reassures me of that. And so when I come to church and I sing the worship songs, and the Holy Spirit says, Man, that's great. I appreciate your worship. I love you too. Listen to what he says. While I'm preaching the sermon this morning and there's something that resonates in your spirit and you say, you know, the preacher's out of his mind but I think he's on to something. Amen. Listen to the voice. Listen to that whisper inside of you called the Holy Spirit that reassures you that he's, you're his. Amen. You listening to me? You say, Pastor, what is the Spirit of God do? How do we get a... How do we use it? Well, remember me telling you how to put your finger in that same spot? There's a chance if you look at 2 Timothy again, chapter number 1, or chapter 1, verse number 8, it says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or me, his prisoner. You know, there is a chance that as a Christian... Maybe the power of God's given to us because there's a chance we may suffer. Hey, hey, look up here for a second. Will you just let me talk to you as your pastor for a second? Uh, We've taken another step towards craziness in America. Now we're going to abort babies after they're born. Come on, is that the big deal this week? And listen to me, listen to me. It could be that people that believe the Bible and people that are willing to stand up for the Bible and will, pe- willing to, to communicate what they believe about the Bible hey, there's a chance that that may not go over in the next couple of years. Are you listening to me? Now, I don't know what's going to happen in this world, but I'll be honest with you this. God gave me his power so that if persecution comes, I'll be okay. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I may need the power of God to withstand persecution in my life. Let me give you a second thought real quick. The Holy Spirit gives us power to speak. Amen. Now, some of us, we have the idea, well, you know what the deal is? I just keep my mouth shut and keep my, and keep my thoughts to myself. No, no, no. The Bible says we're witnesses, A witness is somebody that talks about what they've heard or what they've saw. Yes or no? Yeah. And folks, uh, the Bible says that the, remember those scared disciples we left a couple of weeks ago in the upper room? And the Bible says in chapter number five that they begin to speak and they beat them. They flogged them, and they commanded them not to speak in the name of Christ. And the Bible says they went out and they boldly spoke. You say, Pastor, where does that boldness come from? This is the Holy Spirit. He gives us the ability to suffer. Listen to me. He gives us the power to speak quickly. Quickly. Third thing I would say is this. He gives us the power to shape. Now, let me try to explain this. We left Paul in in prison. Remember that? Paul's in jail when he writes to Timothy. How many remember my sermon? He said, I've already forgotten. Pastor, it's been 30 minutes, but I'm getting old. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He's waiting to get his head cut off. And he writes a book called Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 1, Verse number 12, and I'm I'm paraphrasing. He says, these things have happened to me for the furtherance of the gospel. He said, I'm in jail here. And he said, the amazing thing is, um, let's read it. I want you to understand, brother, the things that have happened unto me has fallen out rather than the furtherance of the gospel. Keep going, guys. Go to verse 13. Someday today. You don't have Verse 13. Okay, let's look it up. I got to look it up, sorry. Uh, he's basically going to say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 13. Let's, let me get my verse. Now, I'm going to quit with this, so stay with me, all right? Some of you say, I already left you. All right, look at verse 13. So that in my bonds, in my chains, in Christ, they're manifest into the palace and in other places. Hey, did you know that Paul was chained to the Praetorian Guard? The Praetorian Guard were Caesar's uh, secret police, secret guards, secret service. That's the word I'm trying to get out. And he's basically saying every eight hours I got a a guy chained to me. What do you think Paul's going to talk about? He's going to talk about Jesus. And he says, you know what? The amazing thing is these guys have taken Christ into And if you read the last chapter of Philippians, he says, even the saints in Caesar's house greet you. Hey, here's my point. Look up here. My point is, is that Paul didn't let being in jail define who he was. Paul shaped his situation by saying, I've got a God that's so big that he allowed me to go to jail so that I could win Caesar's own household to Christ. I'm taking the gospel places the gospel would have never ever got to if I hadn't got thrown in jail. Amen. Amen. You know what cracks me up about people now? Everybody's a victim. God doesn't say be a victim. God says, take your Christianity, take your faith, and begin to shape the situation that you're in. Use it as an opportunity. I do think it's going to get harder to be God's child. I really do. But I don't think that should define us. What I think should define us is the fact we shape our situation by using that power and that love. Are you listening to me? And that sound mind and begin to shape the situation where we're in so we have an impact. So that we begin to change people around us. Let me read you a story. i got to quit with this. book called The Strong and the Weak by Andy Crouch. In his book, he talks about a gal who grew up in a place called Vina del Mar and down in Chile. She was trained. She was credentialed as a family counselor. There she met an American man. She immigrated to the United States. She settled in Santa Barbara, California. Her husband's having a hard time finding a job. Isabel went down, and she tried to get work, but her credentials weren't accepted so she couldn't be a family counselor so she started cleaning wealthy people's homes. Listen to what she says. Everything I do is from God, not from man. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples and I'm here to do the same. I'm a servant with love. When I'm cleaning a toilet... It's something that needs to be done in order that the world has their feet washed. There's no sadness. There's no joy. The greatest example of servanthood in my life is the Holy Spirit because he guides me. And I listen to his voice and I say, yes, sir. She went on to say, it's sad to see people who have everything beautiful, everything perfect, And they connect with you so that their world can continue to be perfect and clean. But you realize that their life's empty. So I have light for them. Every single home that I go to, I pray for that family that they might find him. That God can use me. Or send somebody else. And when she's not working or caring for her family, Isabel volunteers at a place called Immigrants Hope. And she serves other women from Latin America. Most of them are house cleaners. And she helps them prepare to take their driver's license exams and citizenship classes. And she donates her time so that they can succeed. Helpless, vulnerable immigrant women. No. Isabel says, these are women with power. And of love. And the sound. I think it's pretty cool that God gave us the same thing that he gave to his son. You say, Pastor, are you a victim? Only when I give in to the wrong side, listen to the devil who convinces me of fear. But in other words, I'm filled with power and of love and a sound mind. By the way, so are you. So are you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what we're learning